Heavenly Father, great Creator God, God of all knowledge, God of all wisdom, God of all power, we come before you this morning with our hearts truly turned towards you. We come with expectation. We come with excitement, with enthusiasm, with a desire to hear your voice. Father, we come to hear Jehovah speak, to hear his sovereign voice. And so we just pray a special blessing on this um, session of worship and a session of looking into your word, a session of devotion, a session of inspiration. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be here together. Last night we heard the hearts of each of these students. Father, you already knew their hearts before they came. You've already been preparing the path for each of them. You've been preparing the message to meet the need. We just come before you today, Father, and say, God, help us. Be with us in our midst, in our hearts, in the midst of our need. Father, lift us up. Lift up the feeble knees and the hands that hang down. Father, lift up our voices <clears throat> with praise, with honor and thanksgiving. We come into your midst, not, uh, not coming here with uh, trepidation as we come into your presence. We come boldly to the throne of grace because we know that we can find help here. Father, we also come to hear your word opened by the Holy Spirit. I just pray that your spirit would move in each heart and the heart of each speaker. Father, that this would be a profitable time of, of waiting on you together. Father, I also pray that this won't just be another event, uh, not just a highlight like we've heard or a high or a mountaintop experience, but, but might this be a time of meeting you in a very real way that makes a change in our hearts and our lives, a permanent change, an eternal change, a change for your goodness and for, uh, for your kingdom, for the work of your kingdom, Father, prepare our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, first of all, I'd like to say um, this is a new experience for me. Um, maybe like Troy said last night, he's never been to a Bible school and neither have I. Um, never sat under the teaching of a teacher at a Bible school. We've been in some teaching environments and been blessed by that. I do have five years teaching experience, teaching ninth grade science in, at Cornerstone School. And, and I learned to really enjoy that setting. And yet, I'll just tell you that I'm here as a student teacher. Um, I'm still learning. I'm still being taught how to teach. And um, really, I'm just here as a student with the rest of you. And um, you, you look at me and you see a little gray in my beard and you probably think I'm an old man, but in reality, uh, there is so little distance between me and you that uh, I just want you to feel that. I feel it. I'm not sure you do, but I want you to feel that uh, I, I have the same um, experiences of being nervous and, and being afraid, and um, I get intimidated, and uh, I've learned to hide it maybe better than some people or whatever. But the reality is we are all here together 
And I've shared this thought with a couple of you already, but we're here like kind of like Christmas cookies. Have any of you rolled out Christmas cookie dough and then taken the, the different shapes of cookie cutters and cut out Christmas cookies and, and then uh, maybe decorated them? Well, we're kind of like Christmas cookies here. Uh, we're all cut out a little different. Our shape's a little different. Uh, maybe a little different colored sprinkles on them and things like that are icing. But the reality is we're all cut out of the same batch of dough. And so that means that we all have the same basic needs. We have the same basic uh, fears and things that we experience in life. Uh, it comes out in different ways, but we all are pretty much alike. And I want you to feel that through this. Um, I am excited about this topic. Uh, here a couple months ago, we were down in Haiti. And one night out on the porch there at IFM Mission, Pete come by and he said, um, you got a minute, I'd like to talk. And he asked, um, I, I'm just sharing this because you all shared why you're here last night. Well, I'm here because Pete came by and said, would you consider coming to Bible school? And I said, well, I would consider that, pray about it, tell me more. And he said, well, we'd like for you to talk on Isaiah 9-6, the names of Jesus. And I got excited about that. That immediately connected with me. But I want to tell you just a little bit about, because you shared your hearts last night, and I respect that, and I honor that. And I want to encourage that, because in, in any kind of environment of community or relationship, transparency is one of the most fundamental necessities for relationship, to be transparent with each other. And that's difficult. It really is difficult. And you, you were courageous enough to do that, so I'm going to be transparent with you a little about our journey to Bible school. Now, like I said, Pete uh, asked us to come, and we prayed about that, my wife and I, and we gave an answer, and we said, yes, we'll come. And I began to think about Isaiah 9, and reality is that um, I looked at this and the wonderful, this first session we're going to talk about is the name of Jesus, wonderful. And I had a hard time connecting with it. I really did. And I tried several times and nothing happened. And, and then some events happened in our local congregation. And I'm not going to go into the depth of that. <clears throat> but Janet and I, Janet did the, the plane tickets for us. And she looked at plane tickets on Tuesdays because a lot of times Tuesdays are a good time to get good ticket prices. And, and she looked and she said, this is what we've got. And we both talked about it and we thought about it and we said, next Tuesday we're going to do it. We're going to wait one more week and next Tuesday we're going to do it. Well, Monday morning, Janet said, hey, I, I was looking at tickets and there's some really good times. These are really good times. Uh, Really nice for us to flow well, and it was a little more expensive, but it was a good, good times, and I said, book it. And Monday night in our congregation, there was a monumental event in our life that had we waited till Tuesday, I would have said no. I would have called Pete back and said, find someone, we can't do it. But I believe God had His hand in our being here for us. So I hope you get something out of this, but I'm telling you, I've already been blessed 
as I have intensely poured over the names of Jesus this last week. So I'm really here for me, and I hope you can get something from it as well. So God is awesome. And we're going to learn that as we look at the names of Jesus this week. God is an awesome God. <clears throat> I think we're going to start out by looking at the, a little background to verse, nine, or verse 6 in chapter 9. So let's look at Isaiah 9, 1. Isaiah 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. And the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee after joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke, his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'd like to back up now and look at these first few verses. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. This, uh, I think one of the, I'm going to say right up front, one of the faults of German Baptist ministers is that we do more preaching than we do teaching. And so I'm going to try to work on that this week. And so this is a school, it's not a church service. And so I'm not going to be preaching, but rather teaching. And so in a classroom, I remember, it's been a few years since I've been to school, but I remember that the teacher oftentimes asked questions and people raised their hands and then we got a response. And so this is going to be a school environment. So. Several times through the messages, if I don't get back into preacher mode, I'm going to ask you some questions and get responses. And the first question is, can anybody tell me who Zebulun and Naphtali are? Yes, Brittany. There were two sons of Jacob. Two sons of Jacob, correct. Thank you. Two sons of Jacob. Can anybody tell me who these sons' mothers were? This gets a little deeper. Zebulun is Jacob's son by Leah. She was, uh, he was the sixth son of Leah. Actually, the last son of Leah. Naphtali was the second son of Billah, who was Rachel's handmaid. And so these, these two sons of Jacob were given an inheritance in the land of Israel. If you turn in your Bibles and look at a map, you'll see, if you see the, uh, 
the map that shows where each of those tribes were positioned, you'll find that Zebulun and Naphtali were on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And so that's what this is speaking of. It's speaking about the fact that those sons of Jacob, after they settled in the land of Israel, they began to uh, turn away from God. They began to distance themselves from the God, the Creator, that brought them through the land of Egypt into this land of promise, and there began to be dimness and darkness in the land. Troy, would you mind going back there on that wall? There's uh, three switches. Just start dialing those down. And this is what was happening in Zebulun. This is what was happening in Naphtali as they turned their back on God. And it became darker and darker in the land. Turn them clear on down to nothing. And so this is what was happening there. There was dimness and darkness. And that, that one, the one on your right, I think, turns it clear. Yep, turn clear on down. And so this is the experience of the land of the, of the children of Jacob. God's people taken with a mighty hand through the, through the Red Sea. A mighty hand through Egypt. And they were brought into this land of, of, that flowed with milk and honey. This land of promise. The land of, of great wealth. And they turned their back on the God who brought them there. But there's something powerful about to happen in this prophecy. And you can go ahead and turn the lights up. As the, there's a promise here in Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet of God and, and actually the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are somewhat dark. They're prophecies about the, the fact that God's people were going to turn away from him and all the judgment that was going to come on um, the people of Israel. And then this 40th chapter that you've been memorizing is a turning point in the prophecy of Isaiah. This hope that was about to come. But every once in a while, there's little glimpses of hope, and that's what we find here in this um, chapter 9 of Isaiah. It says in the second verse, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is a prophecy, actually. It's not happened, but it's, it's going to happen. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. This is a prophecy of the coming of Messiah Jesus, the Son of God. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. What he was saying is because in their dimness and in their darkness, this, the people were multiplying upon the land, but the joy was not increased. And this, is a, uh, this statement here we're going to find is a, a contrasting statement. They joy before the according to the joy in harvest. And I think most of us know enough about harvest to know what that's like. You know, the farmer goes out and he tills the land and he plants the seed, and he cultivates, and he sprays, and he fertilizes, and he puts lots of labor in, and finally at harvest, the trucks are full, and the grain bins are full, and there's joy in harvest. And there, it says here that uh, they joyed as men who are dividing the spoil, and that would have been like a conquering army conquered the land, and they went in and took all the valuable things, and it was a time of joy. And there's a contrast here. I think that's speaking of the prophecy that's coming when Jesus comes. And I want us to take this personal this morning because there's a nature in all of us to turn back from following God. That nature is within all of us and yet there is hope. 
And today I want us to, as we uh, look at this message of Jesus being wonderful, there is a message of hope. So we see then that this is a contrasting statement again, that the people would turn away from God, but the prophecy of Jesus' coming will bring joy like harvest. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. Can anybody tell me what that's about? The day of Midian. The rod of his oppressor was broken in the day of Midian. This is Gideon. This is the account of the Midianites coming up against them and Gideon taking, as we know, God reduced his forces down to 300 men with a candle and a pitcher. And that's how he, God did this wonderful work of deliverance for the people. And this is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. And I want us, again, to take this personal as we walk through this. Not just as this historical account that happened in Isaiah, this prophecy that God was giving that would happen, and we've already seen that it has happened, but take it personal in our own lives. Because it is true, it is true that God will do a miracle work in each of our hearts and in our own lives with a miracle deliverance when we come to Him in faith and Jesus comes into our heart, this wonderful God Creator. Uh, we're going to just drop right on down now into the thought of wonderful, this name wonderful. As I told you before, I kind of had a hard time connecting with this name wonderful. And the very first thing I did, like I often do, is I went back to uh, look at the original language. Wonderful. What does the Hebrew word that was translated wonderful mean? And so I did that, and that word is pila. And here's what it means. Simply, a miracle. That's what it means. A miracle. Marvelous thing, wonder. So this word wonderful, this word pila, means miracle, marvelous thing, wonderful. It's taken from another word, a root word, Law. And it means perhaps to separate as in distinguish. Okay, so we have this, uh, we have this uh, thought of a miracle, but it's not just any old miracle. It's a distinguished, separate from all other things. This is a special miracle. Uh, it's to make great, to make difficult, to make wonderful, to accomplish something too hard Hidden things too high. Miracles perform, separate, make singular, wonderful, wondrous. Now, I'm not expecting you to remember all that, but the thought that I get out of this is this thing is so separate from all other miracles that have ever happened that it is wonderful, it's too high, it's, it's above anything we can comprehend. Now, when we talk about wonderful, I... Um, I want to just write some words up here for us to carry through this message. The first one is wonderful. Wonderful. I better look back and see what happened. Yeah, okay. Wonderful. 
excuse me, not wonderful, wonder. If you're writing notes, write it in this format, if you would. Wonder of the word. You got it. Wow. That's what I want us to carry through, the thought I want to carry as we think about Jesus Christ's name being wonderful. And we're going, to, we're going to begin to look at some of the events in Jesus' life and we can do nothing but just say, wow. You know, sometimes I think um, the, some of these term, terms that we use in our day and age, they get misused and they get... I'm not talking about... Um, you know, I think some of you guys might see a, a big powerful truck, diesel truck pulling a, a big load and you say, wow. You know, and those are, these are things, I don't know what ladies say wow about. A new dress that's a, a pattern they've never seen or, or I don't know. But, but all of us have these natural things that are kind of flimsy and whimsical things that we say, wow. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when we look full in the face of Jesus and we see His name called Wonderful, we say, wow. Wow. And I just want to carry that thought through as we begin to look at the names of Jesus. Before we get started too far, I left um, a song laying by each of your spots at the table. And I would like to sing this song. Actually, I'm going to need some help from uh, Grant or somebody to come up here and help lead this song because I'm, I'm still struggling with my voice. Thank you, by the way, for praying for my voice. It is holding up so far and we know God is able. I want to look through this song. I don't, how many of you know this song? Raise your hand if you know this song. Good. Most of you do. This song really caught my attention as I was thinking about Jesus being wonderful and just the wonder that's captured in this, in this hymn. And I'd like to just start going through this uh, one, one little phrase at a time. Wonder of wonders as she looked on His face. This is the mother of Jesus. And I want you to, th to try to each of these events that we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to go through many miracles that Jesus worked. And each of these events, try to somehow in your mind uh, place yourself in the midst of it. I don't know how you are. Actually, my mind works that way. It's like a little projector going on in there all the time. And I can kind of see those things playing out. And as we read, try to picture these things happening and picture yourself looking on or being a participant in it. And as we view the mother of Jesus looking down into the eyes and the face of this new little child Jesus, that this little boy spoke the worlds in their place. Can you capture the wonder of that? The stars and the moon shining down on them. Can you picture that? There as she is maybe still there in the, the stable. There in this new baby Jesus. And, and through the doorway comes the light of the stars and the moon. The earth and the sun were created by Him. Catch the wonder of this new little baby Jesus. And the mother looking down, wonder of wonders as she heard his small cry. I think we went, let's flip it over and look at the back too. Wonder of wonders, oh how could it be that God became flesh and was given for me? 
The Almighty came down and walked among men and died on the cross for every man's sin. Oh, wonder of wonders, He died for my sin. Verse 2, The wonder of wonders as she heard His small cry that this voice had thundered on Mount Sinai when the law was given. Can you imagine that, the, that as this mother Mary looks into the face and hears this little cry that this is the very voice that spoke the law on Mount Sinai. The hand that she held so tenderly, picture the little fingers grasping Mary's, Mary's finger, maybe Mary's little finger and the little fingers wrapped around hers had made a dry path through the mighty Red Sea. The wonder of wonders as she looked down and smiled that He was her Maker as well as her child. Can you comprehend that? Uh, I know most of you, you're not parents yet, but you've held a small child and, and we've got some small children here that we could even maybe use as an object lesson, but we won't make the mother nervous. But... But just think about what it would be to look down into the face of this child and realize that He is the very Creator of the world that she was living in. And then this next phrase in verse 3, He created the womb that had given Him birth. Can you comprehend this? This is a miracle that is separate from all other miracles. This wonderful Jesus, this thing that's happening, this incarnate God, this Creator God who has now come to earth in the form of a baby, in the form of flesh. Can we comprehend God in a baby? He was the very Creator of the womb that had given Him birth. He was God incarnate come down to the earth. Verse 4, Wonder of wonders as the Father looked on. In eternity past, this was His Son had sent Him to die on Calvary's tree. And that is wonder of wonders to me. What do you think it was like when Jesus, um, and we're going to get into this later in the week, but it's kind of hard these, these things, thoughts all overlap. And so we're going to just touch on some and then elaborate more. But what do you think it was like when Jesus spoke all the trees into existence? There was a tree in that speaking that become the parent of a tree that was the cross. Can you, can you imagine what he might have thought when he looked at that tree after he created all the trees in the garden? That tree will drop the acorn that will be the tree for the cross. Jesus, the wonderful creator. Let's sing this song. Somebody come up and lead that. Part of the reason I wanted to go ahead and sing this song as well is there's something about singing that helps to as we read the words and we read the notes and we express it out of our heart through our lips in praise to God that just kind of settles in our heart with a little more um, vibrance. And I wanted to do that also because this hymn carries this out that this was for me. This was for me. I want you to take that personal this morning that this wonder of wonders came down and gave His life for us. Well, we want to now, um, you know, we could look at a lot of things. Uh, we, uh, later in the week, we want to look at more of Jesus in the Old Testament. And we could look at some of those things. Now I think of Daniel. I want to mention one, uh, not Daniel, but the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
when they were thrown into that fiery furnace, remember what happened there. This, this um, unreasonable, irate king had these three Hebrew children thrown into that fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter because he could not stand the fact that they wouldn't bow down to him. He was irate and unreasonable. And he had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And what did he see? He saw Jesus. And what a change it made in that man. Then he declared, anyone who won't worship Jesus is going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And well, he still didn't have the picture yet, did he? But I'm glad you do. Um, when Jesus comes into our life, when we see Jesus, he comes to live in us and make a change forever. We want to quickly go through several miracles of Jesus. You have a sheet laying there in front of you. This is not a sheet I put together. It's actually one I found. And I incorporate it into this message because we want to now uh, just quickly go through several scriptures and just look at the miracles that Jesus performed. And then I'm going to forewarn you at the end of this session, we're going to have some interaction from you. Because I used Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego on purpose. Can you imagine three Hebrew children taken out of their land by force, their parents probably dead, maybe killed in the war, taken into this other land where they were then forced to learn the ways of the land and, and they were brought up there to be, brought, to be Babylonians. And they held their faith tenaciously. Even to the point when that king said, bow down or else, they said, king, and I don't think they shouted it back at him. I think they just said, you know what, king, um, we don't know if God's going to save us or not, but we know he can. We know he can. And those men, those three men didn't sit down in a Bible study one day and say, how can we somehow impact Babylon for Jesus? They were just living faithful every day. And God called them out to a work they could have never imagined. And I want you to carry that away with you from this place. Don't sit down and wrestle with how can we do this and get it done this way. You just sit down and just release yourself to God. And let the wonder of wonders come within your heart and move you to a work you can't imagine. I don't know where you're, where you're going, but God has a special place for each of you. And he's preparing you for something great. That's what happened there. Um, I said we're going to have a little time at the end where there's some interaction. When I look at that and I think of Daniel in the lion's den, I think, wow. That's what I think. Wow. Look what God did. But that was a long time ago, you know, a long time ago. And then I think about the New Testament and I see what uh, God did with the apostle Peter. I can really relate to Peter. And I think what he did with him, wow. And then I hear some testimony from somebody that's right now still living on the earth. And, and that's getting closer. Now here's somebody I can talk to that had an experience with Jesus. And I say, wow. But I want, I want to tell you something in my life's experience. There's nothing more powerful than when Jesus himself works in my life. My experience with the power of God. Something so far beyond me that I can look at and say, that's not me. That was God. 
And when I have my personal experience with the working of God, there is something so powerful about that that just overshadows even those Old Testament stories that we learned as children. Not stories, accounts. Accounts of the Word of God that we learned as, as children. And so I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know what your experiences were, but I'd like to hear from some of those at the end of this session. I'm going to give one of my own and then be prepared to share some experience you've, you've had with God that just really increased your faith. Let's now turn to John 2, verse 1. We're going to do some looking now, and I'm going to use mostly Luke because there's Luke, uh, several of the Gospels give these accounts, but Luke has a more complete account of these miracles. And I want to just uh, go down through a whole bunch of them, and we'll not get through the whole list. John 2, 1. Two, one through 11. Um, Willie, would you read that? Can you read loud enough for everybody to hear? John 2, uh, 1 through 11. And the third day, is that working? Yeah. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Thank you. What is the message that we get from this miracle? This is the first miracle that Jesus performed in his ministry, and, and he was, um, in, in since his debut into the ministry and the public uh, scene, what is the, the message that you get from this? Can anybody tell me, uh, I don't want to waste a lot of time asking questions, but if, pop your hand up quick if you get a thought. I'll tell you where my thought came. It was from uh, verse 5. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And I want you to carry that thought away from this message today. Whatever Jesus is speaking clearly to you, do it. I want you to think about what it might have been to be one of those servants. Uh, here they are. They, they were told to go and get these water pots and fill them up to, with, to the brim with water. And, and they say, okay, and they did it. And then he said, now dip into that and draw out and put into the pitcher. And they did it, and it was water. I, I, you, you tell me when you think this water became wine. 
but I think it was still water. There we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think it was still water at that point. They poured that out into this pitcher, and then, they, and then they were told, bear this now to the governor of the feast. I think it was still water. What do you think that, that servant was thinking? Was he checking it all the way? Looking, yeah, it's still water. And then he pours out to the governor of the feast, and it's wine. I'm telling you, when you respond to what Jesus calls you to do, this was actually the mother of Jesus, but when you respond to what Jesus is calling you to do in faith, there's going to be some times you check it along the way and it's still not happening. But you continue to do what He's calling you to do. And when you get there and pour that out, it'll be something powerful in your life. It'll be wine. Let's look at another of the miracles of Jesus. We'll look at the second one is in John chapter 4, verse 43 through 54. John 4, 43 to 54. Would you read that, John? Mm -hmm. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went up, they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus 